Harrison, there, Father Harrison, there are some things that uh, seminary is helpful with, if it's a good seminary. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's helpful to you know, hopefully help you grow a little bit in your spiritual life. You should be more spiritual by the time you're done with seminary, right? Just right. at the very yeah. least from practice, you have more time to pray, right? Uh, you can get a good theological base, you know? Uh, some guys even specialize in something and, and grow their theological knowledge and scriptural knowledge. That's, that's good. That's good. That's yep. a good thing. Probably the most important thing is it helps you kind of understand yourself. What are your problems? Um, like fixing yourself to be a good human being so that you don't carry over any of your wounds into other people when you're mm-hmm. ordained, right? Knowing yourself, mm-hmm. knowing your pitfalls. Yes. You're going to be perfect when you come out of seminary. That's, that's the whole point of seminary. Yeah, it's easy. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Exactly. But the one thing that seminary does not train you for is being a diocesan priest because it's impossible. <laughs> it's kind of, and this is revealed yes. to me more and more. It's impossible. Father Harrison. Um, I, I'm not going to give you an exact timeline, but this is, this is what has happened to me recently. Um, I walk into my church getting ready for 7 a.m. mass. So I'm walking into there, you know, 645. We have a great deacon. He gets everything set up for me. So I don't have to show up early. It's wonderful. Okay. And I see some police cars outside the church. And that's, I mean, not, I thought there was a traffic stop or something. Didn't think anything of it. I'm not thinking well anyway. It's too early in the morning for me to think. Right. I uh, go to the sacristy and the deacon informs me that there's somebody acting odd. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's why the uh, police were called. And okay, whatever. I just locked the sacristy doors so that for anyone to get into the sacristy, they have to go up through the altar. And our deacon's right. a very large man and they probably wouldn't get through him. Okay. So. Right. Things go fine. I, I see the gentleman they're talking about. He, he receives communion fine and everything. No big deal. Just, you know, a troubled human being. Yeah. Um, later on, I get a call uh, that this person is, is, is wandering around campus and this is a problem. Okay. Um, now, we didn't have our cameras up at the time because of the lightning strike. Uh, my church I mentioned mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. But apparently the cameras still recorded stuff on their own. And mm-hmm. so uh, the secretaries pull me in to, uh, they, they say, um, hey, you have to bless, re-bless all of the holy water in the church. And if you want to find out why, come downstairs and we'll show you on the camera. And I was like, oh, no. What is this? <laughs> what is going mm-hmm. on here? And uh, this gentleman, uh, he, he's early to mass, you know, about like 620. And he goes to one holy water font and he just starts like rubbing holy water all over his face and everything. Just, just getting mm-hmm. his whole self. Oh yeah, open his yeah, chest yeah, yeah. a little bit yeah, with the holy water. Before. Yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, then he goes, then he goes to our hand sanitizer and gets a lot mm-hmm. of hand sanitizers and rubs that all over his face and hair and stuff. Then he goes mm-hmm. to a different holy water font to kind of like mm-hmm. wash off that hand sanitizer. Then he yep. goes to our our big like jug like of holy water, like the reservoir, grabs like a bucket of that holy water, and then proceeds to while pulling down his 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 pants, but not his undergarments um he proceeds to clean his nether regions with the holy water oh, just sticking his hand down there front and back oh, really going at it really sanctifying that uh, oh, uh the loins if you will just just going nuts you know really really mm, went for <laughs> it Get, got all kind of holy there um then he puts the holy water back, which is why we've had to replace it all. Like sanitize it, dump it, sanitize it, and I have to replace it. And then proceeds to like light every single one of our votive candles. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a shame because if you don't put money 
in the box, the votive candles don't work. They're just regular candles. The prayers don't work unless right. you uh, use the money. Yes, unless That's, you get money. We are yes, Catholic exactly. after all. This is how it works. Yeah. How it works. Yeah. So, uh, so that was a thing that, that happened yep. this week in, in, in my parish. Fun. And, and sadly enough, Fun. like weird stuff. Your pastor's back, not, right? My pastor is back. Right. So that means um, he gets to take all the, the, he gets to take all the fun responsibility of filing the report. Yeah, and, and after this, actually, after this podcast, we're gonna have a little meeting about it, just you know, make sure all of our ducks are in a row, and we've got um, some security placements and stuff, and the police are notified and all this jazz. I think this guy's probably harmless. Just he's a little right, just broken in the brain, you know. And, yeah, I don't and that's think I've sad. seen people go that far with. Uh, Let me tell you, I saw water. the video. I, I saw from the what video. I've seen. Yeah. yeah, and he was going for it. Um, and the other great thing about the video is that you see these other prisoners reacting to it. And that was the most hilarious part because they're like, what What am I seeing? They keep turning their heads. You see them talking to each other. I think one guy leaves, I think, to call the police and everything. But they're like, they're not quite sure what to do because no one is at their A game that early on. They're just going to mass and you know, doing stuff. And right. you just don't know. How do you react? How do you react to that? Yes. Um, I, I, I mean, it's hard. It's like how, because you know that you can't reason with them probably because someone's doing this, you know that there's something off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, you can't reason with them. Yeah. And it was just, I forget. You said this is like a larger person. You said, was this a larger person? Oh no, this guy, I mean, he's Average tall. Size. He wasn't, he wasn't big. He was a little okay. bit taller, but you know, you know skinny guy. They feel fearful of confrontation and it would absolutely, when you don't, when you see something that you don't understand, it's hard to actually want to confront something because you and you also don't ho- you also hope you don't pray you get like the opposite like the overly eager parishioner who like tackles mm-hmm. the person yeah because <laughs> that creates a whole other set of problems so well you know that yes. it was funny because um that friday morning uh, after mass we have like a, a men's group they call it bromentum yep. which is ridiculous but it's good oh and they uh they meet and have that coffee like and stuff and just ever. chat yeah it's it's ridiculous but they're good guys <laughs> really good guys i knew they were all going to be there at mass so i wasn't worried you know, you got you got all those right. Catholic dudes. I was gonna be safe. That guy wasn't gonna yeah. get me. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, that's um, just the day in the life of a Dawson priest. Yeah, in, it's in the true. Parish. It's like well, I, I always said to when I went back to seminary last year, I just said to the new rector, I said, well, you know, like somebody prepares you to be a priest does not prepare you to be a pastor. And he mm. confronted me. He's like, no, yes, we do. I'm like, no, 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 you don't. But it's not the purpose of seminary is to prepare you to be a pastor. It's to prepare you to be a priest. Um, it prepares you to be a priest in theory. It's so freaking quickly nowadays yeah. that it's you just kind of get thrown in the deep and see if you survive. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it forms you to be like a priest in theory, but like this is yes. I said this before. It's more and more like you learn how to be a priest starting day one of your ordination. Like there, and I don't yeah. think that's anybody's fault. I think it's just the crazy no, exactly. world we live in. You know. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk about priesthood and spiritual stuff and all kinds of fun stuff on this episode of Clerically Speaking. I am Father Anthony. And I am Father Harrison. Um, I, oh man, I got so much to share, I guess, but um, it is quickly, okay, quickly on a more personal side, I think, you know, I've been realizing lately, so, you know, I've, I've turned 40 this year. Um, you know, it starts Woo-hoo! to teach you to reflect upon life and you do, you hit the, mm-hmm. you hit the, uh, the midlife, as it were. Yep. And you're, you flex on your uh, life and your impending death. Yes. And where you've come from <laughs> and where you're going and all the fun stuff of becoming this age mm-hmm. range. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, it is not midlife crisis at all. I don't think so, at least. I hope, pray not, because I don't really want to go that far. But it's mm-hmm. definitely in the midlife 
reflection at the very mm. least. It's been like, and it's weird. It just like comes out of nowhere. And so I have been getting incredibly nostalgic. Mm. I have been binging on 90s movies. Oh, okay. Okay. If, if that's as far as your midlife quote unquote crisis goes, I think you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I watched, I watched the more like rom com ones that I loved in high school. So Clueless and mm-hmm. 10 Things I Hate About You were two watches this weekend, which are both actually, like, it's fun actually watching them from a, like way later on because you're like, these are actually really good movies. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Clueless is kind of, it's a genre-making movie. It, and it is so, it was, I was like, wow, this is a really smart movie. I couldn't believe it. Anyways, but that's just, that's kind of like on a more personal side right now. We'll see where it goes. I just pray that yeah. it stays there and that it doesn't go much further than that. So, Once you, like, buy uh, a motorcycle or a Mercedes or Mercedes or, like, a sword or something, then I'll start getting worried. Not my style, anyways, thankfully. So, you know, if this is... Um, if this is as far as it goes, I'm I'm very happy with this. Uh, but it's just been fun and interesting. Even listening to like '90s music, I, I've been going full on on that too. So it's been it's an interesting uh-uh. thing. I've never. Weird. <laughs> Where is this coming from? So you know, it's a uh, it's it's an interesting thing, and I'm in the middle of it, and we'll see where it goes. But I just pray it stays there. Yeah. If I, if I like buy a motorcycle, yeah, call my bishop, please, because yeah. there's something clear because yeah. I'm not a more guy. Or, so. or if you buy like 10,000 baseball cards, which would be more up your alley. Yeah, or, or you know, like if I start saying Ronner is the greatest theologian of all time, that's my bad Ooh. signal to send for help. That's, that's, that's worse than a midlife crisis. That's a mental breakdown right there. Yeah, exactly. So, you <laughs> yeah, know, that's like there's things to watch away. out for in case, <laughs> for all my friends and family who listen, I think these are the things to look out for if I'm actually going off the deep end, okay? Yeah. Um, but right now, it's, uh, on, oh, yes, right now, we're good. We're good. We're good. So, um, but uh, second though, quickly is, and I'll make sure I probably bring it yeah, up sure. about maybe once a month. Uh, so next summer, from June 29th to mm. July 10th, myself and Daniel and Haley Stewart are leading another uh, spirit-infused pilgrimage called Heavenly Hops. This time, we're calling it Heavenly Hops. And this has been a dream of mine since seminary. So I'm very excited for this. We're doing a pilgrimage to Belgium and Germany, where we're going to various abbeys and breweries of Belgium and Germany as well. So we're going to end off at like the Cologne Cathedral, which is just stunning and amazing, mm-hmm. where the three wise men are, 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 uh, are, are the relics are. Uh, so this uh, it's been a dream of mine forever because uh, I, I love Belgian beer, and I especially love Trappist beers. So the idea is we're going to be visiting a lot of these Trappist breweries, well, maybe not the breweries because mm-hmm. it's hard to get inside them. I think only one, yeah. of, one or two of them we get a tour of. We're going to some of the abbeys, uh, and we're going to be going to these places to taste and drink the beer. I also have a couple talks kind of ready to go to talk nice. about. Like, so my favorite talk I'm looking forward to giving to you. So the best beer in the world, rated beer in the world, is the West Flederin 12 mm-hmm. at the Abbey of West Flederin in the west of, of uh, Belgium. And this the month of St. Sixtus. And uh, theirs is like the strictest. You have to go there essentially to get the West D12. And, wow. uh but it is like seriously, it is an incar- this beer is the is a quote unquote incarnation of the hypostatic mm-hmm. union itself. It is like the perfect <laughs> analogy of the hypostatic union of how two things come together mm-hmm. without competi- without separation or collapsing into each other. That is the experience of tasting that beer. So, do you think it's more like centuries of practice, or is it just infused well, I- knowledge because of their holiness? 
I think it's both. Mm-hmm. I mean, only only monks can make a beer like this. Yeah, that's frankly. true. So mm-hmm. I had these talks about how, how we can understand the union of two natures of Jesus by tasting the Westy 12. <laughs> I, I want to hear that. I'm talk. serious. I'm serious. So anyways, uh, it's already fast. I think we're pretty much at half sold already. We're keeping it to a limited group on purpose. And so it's going to be with select international pilgrimage tours and cruises. If you go to their website, uh, you can search my name. I tried it. My browser, I think, is a little wonky, so I don't think it was working. But you just put my last name, A-Y-R-E, and you should be able to find it. Uh, or you just go by calendar and look for June 2024, and you'll see Heavenly Hops. There's a whole uh, itinerary up there for you to see so you can see every place we're going. Uh, I have more. I'm going to put some stuff up on Twitter here and there too about it. So I would love, like last year when we went to Scotland, we had a few podcast listeners, and I would love to see a few more podcast listeners come up for this one. Uh, I've got some people from my diocese who are definitely interested in coming too, and Haley and Daniel are coming, and we already have like I think 12 people from our Scotland pilgrimage already signed up. So nice. that tells you how good of an experience people had. Mm-hmm. I, I would say this is a, this is a good pilgrimage. So like, who's this pilgrimage for? So. What was interesting with the Scotland pilgrimage is that it was something that the wives were interested in first because they felt like Haley on Instagram. Yeah. But then it was something they could sell their husbands into. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I say this is something similar. It's a, it's, it's called what I'd call like pilgrimage light, uh, which is that you're doing holy things. We're going to have daily mass. We're going to have some talks. We're going to have prayer together. We're going to be visiting these holy sites. But it's also a lot of like what I'd call like conviviality, sharing life together. So mm. that's why we want to. We have an absolute max of including myself, Daniel, and Haley, thirty-five people total, so that you can actually keep it small enough to enjoy each other's company and build friendship with one another over a good beer, over a good dinner, etc. We're also going to some of like if you've never been to Bruges, it is one of the most beautiful cities you'll ever be you'll ever go to, and you must watch in Bruges, obviously, in preparation for this. Uh, but. Uh, it's just such a it'll be a it's going to be a really fun time a lot of people have really enjoyed the last one and uh and i think that's showing by the sign up so um this is a great thing if you've never been on a pilgrimage before you want to see like what is a pilgrimage like i think this is a good start or if you you know you love trappist beer uh getting the westy 12 is very hard to do outside of going to the abbey of west veterans so um come on over and check that out for that and and just share in good catholic fun and then it, what it does is it opens you up to wanting to go into those more pilgrimage pilgrimages it's a mm-hmm. starting it's a good starting point nice that's very exciting i actually looked at the itinerary and like thought to myself like would it be weird if i crashed that and by crash i mean like signed up for no, it and you paid for it go yeah I, I won't yeah. steal your thunder if i show up just so you know i'll let you do all the things <laughs> okay. i'll just drink the beer and listen and pray well you'll be on holidays you you don't have to preach or anything. You can just celebrate every day. You just yeah. You don't have to celebrate. You can just show up and just be in the pews. I'll, do, I'll celebrate uh, and just silently judge you the, the entire mass. I yeah, think. okay. Because that would be a part That's of that. I'm um, fine with this. The joy as well. Yeah. I think it'd be a great time. So I mean, so yeah, we could totally make this work. Nice. All right. Theological All right. emergencies. Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial one at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Hey there, fathers. This is Patrick from Minnesota. 
Um, I was wondering about, I just came from confession, and I said at the very beginning, bless you, Father, for I've sinned. It's been X time since my last confession. But I have heard that that's not actually part of the formula. Yeah, even still, though, I'm not sure whether it's, like, is the done thing, or uh, when you say that, does the priest think, oh, here comes a newbie, here comes a weirdo who doesn't understand that we dropped that part. Um, well, actually, I would hope that the priest doesn't think that, but anyway... Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts or, or your recommendation on what to say at the beginning of a confession. Thank you very much. I uh, love the show. Bye. Okay, yeah, yeah. so um, I have in front of me right here the Rite of Penance. Now, this is the older Rite of Penance. By older, I mean there's a new translation that came out. I think it was just the right. translation, right? It's it's the same rites. Right? The, words, yeah, 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 yeah. the, the yes, formula yes. of absolution. Sorry, the prayer of absolution, not the actual... Um, we say a, a few little, little different things in there. And also there's like an updated options for your um, active contrition, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about that. But this is, this is what the book actually says you should do. And I'm going to say this because literally nobody does this. Okay. So it begins the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's pretty normal. People do that. Yeah. And the priest invites the penitent to have trust in God in these or similar words. And it gives you like four options. One's like, may God, who has enlightened every heart, help you to know your sins and trust his mercy. Or you read some scripture, may the grace of the Holy Spirit fill your heart with light, blah, blah, blah. So the priest, uh, after the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the priest says something nice to invite you to confession. And then, yeah. optionally, and no one does this, you have a little reading. You have a little reading from the word of God. And they give a, yes. a little things, little paragraphs. Yes. For example, nobody you does. do this. Nobody does this. You could, I've, uh, encountered, I've encountered just two yeah. or three times maybe in my life going to confession. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, like, for example, number five, one of the options is, so be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. So the priest would read like that much from scripture or something. It says it's optional and no one ever does it. Mm -hmm. Then you confess your sins. And it says, right. you begin confessing your sins by saying something like, I confess to Almighty God that I have done this or that other thing. And then there's, you know, pick your uh, act of contrition, prayer of absolution, boom. So that's technically what's supposed to happen. Now, right. as a priest, no one knows what's going to happen. The priest doesn't know what's going to happen. Right. The penitent doesn't know what's going right. to happen because everyone has their different thing. So... Yeah, some mm -hmm. people jump in and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been such and such since my last confession. That's a typical thing that most people do. And I kind of like it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm usually, I usually uh, ask people how long it's been since their last confession if they haven't said it. So if that's how you jump mm -hmm. in, totally fine. Um, sometimes yeah. people walk into the confessional and say nothing and ask if, me if I'm there, uh, which I am yep. because, you know, there's a line. Yep. And, uh, of course, yep. I'm here. The lights uh, on just, or the door's open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're breathing heavily, like yes. in nervousness. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, because like, I, I pause, because I don't know if someone's going to jump right in. If they don't, I say, Welcome right. to confession. If they're still silent after that, I know that the confessee is probably a child who just doesn't know what to say. And so I, I leave them through it. Or it's been a very, very long time and they're just nervous and yeah. stuff like this. But yes. So, uh, you can uh, almost tell it's a kid, anyways, because, like, the way. Like the way you hear the footsteps or something like this, like it's all these little things that you can it just is. tell. Like you, even the way the door is closed, uh -huh. it, it's it's yeah, 
there's these little signs that says, oh, this is a kid. All right, mm-hmm. I know how to handle this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny, like, because you, you, you spend so many hours just listening, people enter a room and leave, you do pick up on that. Like, you can almost guess this is going to be uh, a, a male or female. Is this an older person? You can almost tell just by the way they open the door and uh, get into the confessional. It's kind of funny. But yeah, yeah. so basically, uh, uh, no priest is going to think you're a weirdo. If you go to confession, you're in the box or whatever, the priest does not care. I guarantee you. Like, however you start it, whether you know what you're doing or not, right? no big deal. Right. And I think, like, um, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's generally right. It's true. It's not part of necessarily um, – I'm actually just looking up the uh, – uh, I'm looking at the catechism, see if there's anything in there about, like, how contrition, confession of sins, all oh. It doesn't say much in there. I was, I'm not going to look at it too long. So anyways, um, I would say this. Like, I think, so we have to, it's about like a theology of, of the sacrament confession is important here too, right? So what, what, what are we mm-hmm. doing when we go there? We're going there because we have imperfect contrition. This is part of the reason for going to confession. Um, and we can go for mortal or, or venial sins. But the priest is acting on behalf of two, two bodies, if you will, right? On the part of God himself. And on the part of the church, which are obviously united to one another, but just right. they like the church in her kind of institutional lived form in on earth in the fallen world, and then with your so with God directly. So your sins have an effect not just on your relationship with God, but on the church and on the world. Mm-hmm. So the priest kind of acts on on both accounts. So for a priest to be able to properly quote unquote judge, and I use judge in the more banal sense, not as like a, a negative thing, but as just saying like this is what's happened. Like mm-hmm. I need to know what's happened. And I need to know the weight of yeah. things. Um, he needs to know timeline for a variety of reasons. You'll have people who will come t- and like, I try very hard to play dumb when I know someone's like, I know I recognize a voice. I mean, I don't know who they are, but I recognize like a familiar voice or something like this. Right? Sure. I play dumb always until they must tell me it's them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you might say, Oh, wait, that person's been here every, t- t- every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so by saying when you how long it's been since your last confession helps the priest like understand the frequency of a sin, its weight. You know, if it's been twenty years and you you know you stole ten dollars when you were fifteen, you know, is different than it's been a week and I stole ten dollars from my parents because I wanted to buy some marijuana. You know. Um, <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> that is right. how young people uh, confess. Yes, this is how they speak, right? <laughs> it's it's one blunt, Michael. What's it going to cost? Ten dollars. Sorry, <laughs> the rest of the uh, Sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, um, so it just helps us the priest understand like where you're at. Also, and it's also not part of the right as well, but I think it's equally important. Stating your state of life. I'm single. I'm married. I'm a, I'm divorced. Divorced and annulled. Uh, um, I'm I'm a priest. Yeah. I'm a bishop. I'm the pope. Because that changes <laughs> like pope's going. And the person's probably going to know it's the pope. You know, it's like because it's yeah. probably a chosen confessor. Uh, but like you know, <laughs> this is the point of that is this to say it helps the priest understand like how to help guide God's mercy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it affects obviously what you confess. So uh, whether you're married, right. single, or a priest, um, that's going to change the gravity of I had sex outside of marriage, right? It's going to be right different, you know, gravity it's for different. each. Different, 
yeah exactly. uh, all bad exactly. don't get me wrong bad for everybody all, but <laughs> yeah it's all it's all it's all it's all sinful but it's like it, it's effect on you and not just you but like your, your the sins effect on the church is different mm-hmm. um like, like i would say like for example if you're using that sin as an example uh you know, infidelity in marriage is going to have a more it's still going to have like a, a broader impact but it's more localized well because of a priest's promise of celibacy giving into that to sin that would bring infidelity like that uh, which we could possibly even remove him from the clerical state mm-hmm. um because of its you know because it could be considered spiritual abuse there um it would i think it has a broader implication it has a weightier meaning i'm not saying they're not equal it's not equally like it's not it's just saying like they're, the, the impacts more are, to put a crew, there are different flavors of bad. They're all bad, but there's yes. different contexts. Yes, and exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and they have different impacts. Yeah. They have different impacts, right? Um, and so it's just about understand. It's just about priests understanding that and see how he can deal with that. So yeah. Um, so yeah. if you're going into confessional and you're trying to confess your sins honestly, I think very few priests are upset by not quite knowing the formula, whatever. So don't worry about that. The exactly. only thing that upset me. Um, and only mildly, because I understand that people just aren't catechized. Like, sometimes someone will go in the confessional and tell me all the bad things that have happened to them, which is definitely yes. worthy uh, talking to a priest about that. But by the end of their, like, talk, they've told me none of their own sins, right? Like, that's a little yes, frustrating exactly. sometimes. Or telling me other people's sins. Or making excuses yes. for their and sins. I, that stuff is yes. and I, a bit aggravating. And I often interrupt people sometimes. If it's happening to you, I get, listen, I get we need yeah. to get things off our chest sometimes. So I don't mind it a little bit but when it's yeah, becoming well, like fine. weighted in that direction I'll, I'll interrupt and i'll say you know i understand this is all frustrating for you and I, I get this but like for now we're just here to talk about what you've done yeah so you know, if you need to talk about the other stuff there's a place for this yeah. but that's not the time now and there's a line and whatever you know so yeah uh good uh, how about we how about uh, unless you have one that you really want to do let's jump into uh we can wait till next week yeah we can jump it we're, yeah. we're getting back to weekly so we should be able to start moving through things yeah, uh, and do things a little bit. Uh, this might it, we always say it might be a shorter podcast. We'll find out. Okay, yeah, we'll time for presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yes, yes. quite good, quite good. Indubitably, <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. <laughs> it's my favorite part. <laughs> it's the best part. <laughs> yes. 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 All right. This is going to be not the last time I talk about this because it's something I am working through in my ministry as a priest. Okay. And I'm going to start by saying something. It's going to sound like I'm going one way, but I'm going to end up going another way. Okay. okay. You ready for my big, um, the hook, the hook? Sure. To begin presbyterial exhortations? Yes, I'm, I'm ready. I'm- there will be plenty of people being flung into hell as they say, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Okay. This is this is a poetic image, this is a hot take. but yeah. um, I I have uh, you know there can be an emphasis on the good things that we do as Christians, like I go to mass, I um, don't swear a whole bunch, I am polite to people. I mean, which is yeah. all good. I don't do great. I don't do the bad things. I, I don't, don't do, do the bad, bad things. things, or at least I don't do bad things. I don't do things as bad as other people. Right, right, right. Um, and there's this idea that as long as I do enough of the good things, I am a good Christian, right? Right. And that's not what this is. This whole thing's about. 
on the flip side, there is the Christian who desperately tries to avoid all the bad things, right? Mm -hmm. um, where like your entire spiritual life is based around avoiding sin. And your entire right. spiritual life um, is about a fear of sin. I'd even say, like, yeah, like, and like, like, I would call it like an unhealthy fear of sin. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Where like you know, the person, and a lot of people suffer from, a lot of people suffer from this. But the your spiritual yeah. life um, is lived from confession to confession, from sin to sin. If I have right. not sinned, I'm a good person, or I'm doing okay, or I'm holy, or I'm allowed to pray. Or if I have sinned, then I'm not allowed to pray. And a lot of times, um, it depends on what kind of sin. And it's not necessarily mortal and venial. They are the sins that we think are okay and the sins that we don't think are okay. Right? Right. Uh, and we may couch them in venial and mortal, but really it's just whatever sin makes me feel bad is the worst sin. Right. Which is n not a healthy way to go about things. Yes. The problem with both of these things, whether like you are obsessed with the, the little good things you do or obsessed with your sins... One thing I am seeing a lot of is that people's spiritual lives are not based around pursuing Christ. Right. That he is not the center of things. Maybe he was in the very beginning, like in the conversion aspect. But then maybe mm -hmm. as we learn more about the um, church or learn more about theology or whatever, it becomes this focus where the faith becomes this mechanical set of rules that I must follow in order to get to heaven. And I, I want right. to like talk mostly about scrupulosity because this is the thing that I've seen more and more that a plague of scrupulosity among people pursuing holiness. Have you seen this a lot in your parish? Especially, I see it a lot among young people, especially. I mean, I see scrupulosity, but I would say it's honestly rarer. Mm -hmm. um, like scrupulosity. I guess I want to be careful about being too broad on scrupulosity. Sure. I, don't want to create more scrupulous people. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing we need. Um, but I've seen a, oh no, I, but I, you definitely, I mean, part of this is just being like, especially with young people, it's just about being young sometimes. It's, it's, it's replacing faith with ideology, um, essentially, uh, whereby we impose what we think is the faith mm -hmm. rather than responding to the faith in reality as it's put in front of us. Uh, so we're chasing something that we've created in our head rather than like the concrete reality in front of us. You know, like again, a phrase I think people may tire of hearing me say is run towards reality. Mm -hmm. um, but the ideal is in the real. It's not out in the clouds. So I think like there's, so there's that. But I think that's partially, in some ways, that's just part of youthfulness. Mm -hmm. uh, and it takes time to chip away at that. Um, but the mechanical side of things, I've definitely seen more and more of. Mm -hmm. whereby it's it's a focus on certain teachings to the neglect of the person of Christ like except like it's like a moral it's like moralism devoid of Christ mm -hmm. almost and if i and it, it comes from sometimes like a spiritual anxiety it comes from all sorts of stuff whereby in so far as we like we want to be able to control we want to we want a sentence of certainty it, it's like it's like the, it's the anxiety of Luther in some ways, like this, mm -hmm. this yes. fear mm -hmm. of if I don't get the things right, then I'm I'm doomed for eternity. And if I just mess up, even if I mess up in a serious way, I'm doomed for eternity. It's over. Uh, and if I don't get to confession immediately, then I, it's doomed forever. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like a weird mechanicalistic view of moral life, whereby if I put the piece, the moral pieces in the right place, everything's going to be okay. Right. But it, but the problem with this is a sense it is not the freedom of Christ. It is not, it doesn't have like the life of the spirit, if you will. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, I'd call it like a, like one thing I'm starting to realize more and more how we're approaching the faith is actually in incredibly materialistic ways, but with this, the veneer of Christianity mm-hmm. and we're not allowing like the spirit of Christianity to really imbue our lives. And so you don't see the, and so it's a real, it's a re- real sense of control and like system making that is very modern. Yeah. Uh, I, I think even like a lot of people who say like I'm the most traditional Catholic or whatever, I'm like, no, you're very modern. Actually, you just don't yeah. realize it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's, that makes sense? it's yes, yes, it does, it does. It's it's touching yeah. on because because there's like um, a broad aspect of it and a specific aspect of it. But yeah, it, and yeah. then it's kind of a Pelagianism, a trying to work out my yes. own, trying to earn my own uh, salvation. And I, I'm saying this, yes. I don't actually do this in judgment right now for people because I, I want to lean in a little bit more into the scrupulosity side. Um, and okay. be, because that is, that is a, a wound. Most people don't choose to be scrupulous. They fall into it in some sort of way. Right. Right. Also want to differentiate between two things. Um, and this is something that you see sometimes too, as I, I, I'm not an expert in this, but just from experientially, there's a difference between scrupulosity and OCD manifesting itself in the spiritual realm. Right. Right. And I'm beginning to learn more and more like, you know, if, if, if it's an OCD thing, then I can only do so much. Yep. Like unless you're seeing a a counselor, a therapist, unless you're working on that level, then you you can't just go see a priest because the priest will not be capable of, that's not his area of expertise, you know? Mm -hmm. So putting that aside and and going to more of the scrupulosity thing, um, not scrupulosity, but like this kind of mechanical, eh. um, Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about Oh, go ahead. Before you do, just quickly, yeah. one quick thing around like the whole Pelagian thing, and I think this actually gets yeah. to the heart of it. Is we, it's become out of a place of a fear. Like, is grace actually working? Mm-hmm. Uh, is grace actually at work in my life? And so I need to prove it is. And so I got to do all these right things to show that God's grace is because actually it comes from a certain. I'd say it's a real modern hopelessness sometimes. Like, well, where's grace then? How does this grace thing work? Because mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it. I'm not changing. So I have to just pick myself up by my own bootstraps in order to to prove to myself that God is real. Instead of like act, entering into the ambiguity of modern nihilism, essentially, yeah. uh, and 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 sitting in the darkness with that, and I, like being okay with that. Yeah, and, and it's also like Sorry. we forget. Yeah, like, one, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Maybe I'll lean more into this because. It's one of those things where like I have a bunch of thoughts in my head. And I'm trying to sort them out via podcast because that's how we do things sometimes. Um, yes, <laughs> because what's the like practice? That's what I'm thinking about this week. <laughs> yes, um, because this whole idea that you can achieve moral perfection um, that that's an impossibility. Like we're we're losing, mm-hmm. and this is the tough thing. This is a tough thing because as soon as I start speaking like this, people will say, "Well." Um, well, does that mean I just don't try? It's like, no, 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 no. But, but, but follow me for a second here. Like if you're, if the whole goal of your spiritual life is just to stop sinning, um, you will fail period. Mm-hmm. Like, so this, this thing of like trying to, um, 
white knuckle my faith and and just like forcing myself through pure discipline to achieve moral perfection that's not going to happen in this life indeed in this life we can avoid mortal sin in this life um and we can limit our venial sins as well and achieve a high level of perfection but that doesn't happen primarily through our own efforts it happens primarily through grace yes and there's cooperate this is the thing like so because we're catholic we freak out a little bit because we don't want to sound too Protestant about stuff. But uh, maybe this maybe this will concretize it. Um, last uh, couple days before recording, um, praying with the uh, the rich young man uh, in the gospel. Was that two days ago? Something like that? Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked Jesus, like, what do I need to do? And she's like, well, do you, do you follow all the commandments? Uh, and he goes, yeah, I do that. Um, and then Christ takes him to the depths of the spiritual life, what this is all really about. Actually, what you have to do is give up everything and follow me. And he goes away sad. Mm-hmm. And that's not just about the material possessions, which it is, but it's like this, is my spiritual life going to be focused on simply following commandments or is it going to be focused on following right. Christ completely? And a lot of the, right. and one of the reasons why people are, are so afraid that like, what if I uh, commit a mortal sin? And it's almost always, the fear is almost always sexual sin. It's never pride or anything else, whatever. It's always that. Um, which is a very American thing, North American thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Sexual sin is bad. Um, but we make it more powerful than the cross yeah. of Christ, which is because our brains are weird. Um, yeah. If yeah. I get hit by a bus before I go to confession. <laughs> right. And it, it's a, it's a real concern among people, you know, even if it's not that particular example. And yep. you look at people and say, well, isn't Jesus Christ in control of your life and your death? Like it's removing, once you remove Christ, the faith becomes this really oppressive, impossible task to achieve. It becomes masochistic and people with good intentions are living this quote unquote spiritual life that is just brutal. It's brutal. And I see it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, there is, Mm -hmm. there is no, like, it, 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 like the advice feels weird. It's like you have to stop thinking about, <laughs> in a way, you have to stop thinking about your sins so much. <laughs> in a way, you have to like, yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh, no, no, no. The reason why you're freaking out about this is because you don't know Christ yet. You don't trust Him, or like as, as you could, or yeah, right, 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 right. So, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, those are. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, okay. I'm not interrupt. No, go ahead. Yeah, Finish yeah. So you don't know, like Christ. Like the reason why you were afraid is because you don't have anyone to trust in. Yeah, there's an aspect where you, you do it. Like you, I mean, these people are honestly trying to do the right thing, and there is a love for Christ in them. But somewhere mm-hmm. along the way, they end up divorcing Christ from the entire religious project, if you will. Yeah. And this is why we freak out so much about our sins. Like yes. this, you know. Um, yeah. We all are okay with being sinners in the abstract. We're not okay with being sinners as I am Anthony Sharapa and I commit these sins or I have committed these sins or I have particular temptations towards certain sins. And the only thing that's going to save me is the mercy of God, period. And and I think so there's a few things here. One is, so there's, again, there's that helplessness of grace that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. where we we desperately are trying to find grace at work in our life and in the world and we are so we're like it's almost like a, a frantic grasping for grace mm-hmm. because actually yeah. grace is hard to notice in the world 
mm-hmm. and for a whole bunch of reasons I'm not going to go into. Um, <laughs> it's not God's fault. It's essentially the world's fault, but it's yeah. uh, that's enough of an explanation today. There's that one thing. I think on the, and in that too then, though, it's also a judgment against the church whereby we actually haven't become a sacrament of salvation, mm-hmm. um, which is like the role and mission and purpose of the church. So we don't see grace mediated through others. And we don't we don't share in each other's brokenness and joy and all of this. And we don't see the transformation because we don't share our lives with one another because we're actually incredibly individualistic and atomistic, which is a part of the whole grace problem because grace works through the whole social body that is the church, not just through any one individual. So when we are failing to be in union with the church in this way, we are actually failing to communicate grace. That's the second problem. And the third one is, is that, yes, we become hopeless. Like we give sin more attention than it deserves because we actually don't believe that grace is as powerful as it is. Like, so essentially Mm -hmm. like we actually don't believe in God's mercy. So I want to share, I've been sharing this like with everybody because I I just, I, I, it's from St. Elizabeth of Trinity who I've fallen in love with. Uh, I've been, so I've been reading Balthazar's section. He's got that book, two sisters in the spirit on St. Therese and St. Elizabeth. Hmm. So I've been reading the St. Elizabeth section for spiritual reading lately. And it's, oh boy, it's been, it's been really good. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to read this because I think it, it speaks to just not just she's talking about prayer, uh, but also about our weakness. And I think this gets to the heart of it, or at least to the heart of our hopelessness that we need to repent of, mm-hmm. essentially. She says, you should write, you should strike the word discouragement from your dictionary. Mm-hmm. The more you sense your weakness and incapacity for recollection, the more the master hides himself. So much more you should rejoice. For then you are the one who gives, and is not giving better than receiving for the one who loves? God said to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for strength becomes perfect in weakness. And that that great saint understood it when he cried out, I glory in my weaknesses, for when I am weak, then the power of Christ lives in me. So just quickly, what she's saying there is that when you feel this like weakness or your your inability to recollect whatever it is, Christ is hiding even more in you. And so you're actually giving him more out of love for him and thereby he is actually perfecting his power in you in in all the more so she's saying like, this is a good thing not a bad thing um then she goes on and this is where it gets like just oh the last line just wait for it it's a bomb <laughs> it's awesome what difference does it make what we feel he is the immutable one who never changes he loves you today as he loved you yesterday as he will love you tomorrow which we doubt often right uh even when you hurt him your hurt, in other words, does not change his love for you. Mm-hmm. And then this. Remember that one deep calls to another. That the abyss of your misery attracts attracts the bottomlessness of his mercy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The abyss of your misery attracts the bottomlessness of his mercy. <sighs> yeah. I think, you know, speaking of that St. Paul quote, I think we've romanticized the idea of weakness. Instead of realizing that weakness, if you look at it at its surface, it's it's our sinfulness. It's our ugliness. It's our unworthiness. Um, But we think that, like, oh, when I'm weak, therefore I'm strong. Like, there's a a kind of weakness that's, um, I don't know, devoid of sin or devoid. Like, the thorn in in St. Paul's side, which we don't know what it was, uh, we shouldn't romanticize that either. Like, it's yeah. it's you know it's, you know a, a sin that he could not shake perhaps um that mm-hmm. kept him close to christ in a or way a temptation this is, this... that that yeah. brought him into angst and agony yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or something whatever it is we don't know i think yeah. that, i think it's i think it's meant to be unknown 
we should not be curious about this because I think it's actually like God's way of using St. Paul to to universalize, if you will, this for all of us so that we see in him someone who I can identify with in the work of grace. Right. So I don't want to like, you know, uh, speculate on what it is, but I do want to like remove this idea that it's something uh, glorious in, in a worldly sense or like this, I don't know, right. but like... Um, the cross sucks. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, it, 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 it but also it's, it's what it saves us. And it's Jesus is not smiling on the cross folks. Like, let's just be honest. No, no, no. he chooses to be there and he wants to be there, but he also like, it's not fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, and this is not, this is an example of advice. I'm not giving this advice. Okay. I'm just saying like, I think a lot more people would be healthier if they stuck to a schedule, a pure disciplined schedule of confession, whether that be once a month or once every two weeks. I really, I'm more and more I'm thinking any more than once every two weeks is dangerous for most people, 99% of people, in my opinion. Once again, I'm generalizing stuff, don't, you know. But I think a lot of people would benefit from keeping to a, a tight schedule of confession and only sticking to that. Because I think too right. often we immediately run away from our sins instead of examining them and examining ourselves and sitting with them and seeing if we trust that God still loves us. Or if we're so afraid that God has stopped loving us because of our sin that we have to go to confession to earn his love again. And, and yeah, it's, oh yeah, that's a tough one. Right, I, right. I, I'm trying to get at a point. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that. I know, that I know, I know. There's something about well, it. Because I think, I think, because here's the thing. I think, yeah. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into your idea here. I don't know if it's going to lead to a proper place or not. So, but let's just lean into this. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a habitual serious sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. And instead of going to confession every week, you go to confession every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think like what I mean by this is I think sometimes what can happen is we use the frequency of confession as a way to escape the personal consequence of our sin. Yes. Which means we have to sit with the discomfort of the fact that I have hurt my communion with God and others. Now, again, not like I always say, like I think like a, a few habitual sins, their mortal sinfulness is often mitigated in many ways. But that's mm-hmm. not for me to judge. Like I always say, it's not for me right. to judge. That's for God to judge. I don't know the heart. Mm-hmm. God knows the hearts. So, so you you kind of stick to that objective standard. But like by sitting, if you will, to use Saint Elizabeth's words, to sit in your misery a bit. And to sit in the humiliation of it mm-hmm. so that you see mercy and love there that because i think the scrupulosity stuff comes from a sense that i actually cannot be loved in what i think is horrible about me yes like it's not just a, a sitting with I me mean, part of it is like a sitting with your sins and this is part of the problem is that um we don't sit with the fact that i am the one who has sinned uh, and say it's like it's a this is a disease that I must get a medicine for right away. Like so, part of it's like sitting with the fact that like oh I on some level I have chosen this thing, and this thing came yes. from my own heart, right? We we are so terrified of that um, that we run to confession without addressing that first, and we run from that because we don't think God loves us in our sinfulness. Right, exactly. So sitting with both the fact Which that is, but this, that's actually precisely the place where he's supposed to, where we, where right. we love, where we are loved. So it's a sitting with the fact that I am the one who has sinned. The sin has come from me and no one else. And yeah. God still loves me. Yes. And unless you grapple with those two things, you, confession becomes a, a drug that you become addicted to. 
and not a sacrament of, of mercy and reconciliation. And yes. and you won't change. Yes. Nothing will change. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because that's part of actual conversion. Yes. So this is, I'm not giving, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm like, these are just things to contemplate. Yeah, I just, I agree. I, I, or I think there's like something about the fact, like we just need to be willing to sit with the fact that we are sinners, but that that is not a bad thing to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually think that when we start doing this, I think that's where grace starts to show itself more in the church. Mm -hmm. And that, like, and so this is where stuff like, I think this has actually been one of the positivities of Pope Francis's pontificate mm-hmm. is he's really emphasized this and actually, and I think it's given people a lot of hope for those who've needed to hear it. Um, it, it yeah. There's a weird, like uh, this, this whole thing, like we said earlier around, like, well, I'm a good person and that's enough. You know, that's uh, is it, it, it actually, if I, I hate that phrase too, because I think it's actually a hopeless phrase. Mm-hmm. Because hope only comes when I recognize that uh, I can't save myself, but that I am not defined by my sin, but I'm defined by the grace of redemption that loves me when I acknowledge that sin. So to say I'm a good person is is like the complete, and that that's enough, is completely contrary to the Christian message. And I think actually has facilitated some of the scrupulosity mm-hmm. in different ways. And at the same time, I don't say it as a judgment because I think a lot of it has come from malformation, etc. Right, yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't despise the person who says it, Mm-mm. but I just always hear, I do hear a certain hopelessness in it that really saddens me. And I, like, because I always, like I said this in homilies before, I'm like, you know, I know some, like, I recognize, for example, like the older generation mm-hmm. in my parish, like the older generation, like yeah. the older people in my parish. I know they struggle when I say, like, it's important to acknowledge that we're sinners. Yeah. <laughs> but I always say to them, like, this is not a hope. This is actually the beginning of hope because it's only there that I encounter mercy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, a, that's, the, that's the good news. That's the, that's the best news. And like, and so I think like, so for example, getting back to the confession stuff in a way then too, the infrequency towards confession at the same time. So on the opposite end of it, yeah, mm-hmm. like opposite end of the scrupulosity is an equal hopelessness because we've actually refused to encounter the place of our weakness. So both are an expression mm-hmm. of, of the lack of a willingness to hit on our weakness as human beings and thus are not engaging reality and thus can't find grace because we're not being real. We're not engaging with the moment in front of us where God is. I am a, being a good person or being a bad person are irrelevant categories for the Christian. It is, I am a loved person. Like it is like, that's, that's, that's what it is. Um, And I, I think thing is like entering into your sinfulness and sitting with the the your abyss if you will that's what impels and, and encountering christ's mercy there instead of running mm-hmm. away from our sin to the confessional we run toward god in the confessional we run towards <laughs> love <laughs> we run towards reality we like it's a yes. it, it changes the whole motivation of the sacrament where it's not out of a right uh a, a fear or a trying to fix myself or trying to earn something. It's a knowing that God loves me. And this is a place of deep reconciliation, sacramental grace. 
and I want to go there because I, I know he wants that for me. Not right. If I don't do this, then I can't pray. I can't do anything. Blah blah blah. And like I think I've experienced in confession, and I'll be honest, it has been rare, sadly. But I've experienced mm-hmm. in confession people who use it frequently, mm-hmm. and you can tell are a saint. I have encountered that as well, but that's yeah. And that I don't, I can't. It's hard to describe. And I, again, I want to be careful because I don't want to, you know, uh, violate the seal in any way, shape, or form. But I, I, right. I, it's all I can say. I think really is I've encountered that, and it's, it's. I think that's the path we need to be forming people to because they are willing to engage the heart, mm-hmm. which says I am loved, and love exposes what is, un, what is not unlovable, but like it exposes the desire to say I want to enter, I want to enter into the crucifixion. So like. Like Saint Saint Elizabeth Trinity, she's been bringing us up over and over again, like sacrifice. But like, like I, I was preaching on the um, Canaanite women this weekend, and I'll try to keep it short. But essentially, Jesus's words about the dogs is actually it is a humiliation. It's supposed to be mm-hmm. because it's an invitation into his cross out of love for her daughter. Mm-hmm. I like that. Are we willing to be humiliated out of love to participate in redemption? <sighs> I was going to say one more thing. What was it? So that's what yeah. I'm thinking about lately. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's good. No, I think it's good. I think it's a healthy discussion whereby it's like I think we recognize people who are listening to the podcast are on all sorts of spectrums on this right. stuff. Um and anything we're saying around this is not to deny the church's moral teaching or anything like this, mm-mm, but it's about rooting it in Christ and in the encounter with him. Like like for like the for the like the Ignatian spirituality, for example, you start with the passion really of Jesus and the spiritual exercises because that's where you encounter love. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. Um, it's to enter into that way. And that's, that is part of love. And I think it's about like, it's about essentially like it's something maybe on a broader topic in some ways. I think we have, to, and I, this is, I think this is where like, and it was like very prophetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to rethink love in all its dimensions, because I think all of this is rooted in a unchristian, um, deformation of love mm-hmm. that is prominent in our culture and we read Christian love through what I'd call like North Americanist lenses mm-hmm. that are honestly fundamentally reductionistic and contrary to the gospel yeah but maybe that's my next episode yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah I think it's good you think that's good yeah, I think that's good. I think that was a very good conversation. Yes. It was um, very clerically speaking. Good, good. Because that's yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. All right, then. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me contemplating the, uh, the depths of my own sinfulness and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You can find me on Twitter slash X at FR Harrison, uh, tweeting about the movies I'm watching from the 90s. Nice. <laughs> Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or X. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? Call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless. God bless.